What's up, everybody? This is the Man of Steel, Mike Verna, and you are listening to the Three Count Podcast. to another great edition of the three count podcast presents now entering the ring we are back from hiatus because you know sometimes you just gotta take a break man sometimes you just you just work a lot and you just need to get some time away um i just want to be honest and i was just telling to my to listeners and viewers thank you guys for the support and stuff definitely was appreciated so let's get into this because this is not about me this is about our special guest that's right we have one here for you he can be found on AEW Dark. You can find him on GCW USWA. You can find this man at Full Impact Pro Wrestling, or you can find him at DCCW. This is the man who has his own podcast, and it is called Withstanding the Storm. And just like he says, it's the calm before the storm. Welcome, Storm Thomas. What's going on, my man? I appreciate you having me. That was a hell of an introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and just like wanting to hang out and, and talk wrestling. Yeah, man, for sure. It's, you know, it's been a big passion of mine for a long time now. So anytime I get to just sit back and kind of talk about the business as a whole or, you know, whatever anybody wants to know, I'm always down. Awesome. So I asked this question. It's, you know, it's the first question that's always going to come up. So who is Storm Thomas? Storm Thomas is a a fan of professional wrestling. Um, if you don't know a lot about my history, you know that the the whole Storm Thomas thing is still relatively a new transition in my journey, in my life, and in my entire uh, tenure of professional wrestling, so to say. Uh, Storm Thomas has always lived deep, deep inside of me. But uh, when I first started, I was much more of a uh, like character, like just super happy to be here, happy go lucky. Like, thank you for the opportunity. I'm a superhero, and I'm gonna show everybody like ultra white meat baby face, and just everybody loved me. Not that that's changed much, but I've changed much. You know, that's not really as relatable or as close to who I really am. Uh, when I was in high school. I probably held records for how many fights I got in or suspensions or, you know, football games that I got kicked out of for being too rough. Um, I have a reputation of being a a little bit of a badass. I I like to talk trash. I like to say what's on my mind. And I really, I, since I was probably in the seventh grade, I don't think I've ever backed down from an altercation once, you know, and that's not a good thing at all by any means, but um storm thomas is a much clearer representation to who i really am and kind of my belief system of work hard play harder um get the job done no excuses no days off i was gonna say i've watched your deadlift i can definitely vouch there's no days off bro (laughs) so you know getting into it man like you said like this is kind of a new new thing for you but i'm very curious like how did you how did you find your way into the business okay uh 10 years ago i was living in a very very small town oscaloosa iowa uh i was married i had one daughter at the time uh 
fresh into my career and I, you know, I was working in higher education at the time and I was like, you know, this is this, I'm set. I had my bachelor's degree. I just finished my master's and I'm working in higher education in this very small town at a very small university. And I'm of the mindset, like this is where I'm going to be for life. And I was approached uh, by a, a friend of mine who owned a, a pro wrestling organization up there, uh, Central Empire Wrestling. He invited me to come out to the shows. I'd come out to the shows, watch, cheer, boo, support, you know, the whole nine yards because I had never known anything about independent wrestling until this. So 2009, 2010, like, I had no clue what independent wrestling was. All I knew was WWE. So after coming to his shows, you know, I've, I've, I've made a, quite the physical transformation in my life. Uh, when I played football, I was like 300 pounds. I played offensive line. And then I started to like really dial in and start to, to build on the frame that I have. And he was like, Hey man, have you ever like given a thought to trying to wrestle? And I was like, no, like that's for y'all. I'll come watch. I'll come support. Like that's not my thing. And he was like, no, you should really consider it. And I was like, like I said, I just, I just had a kid You know, my career is good, but it's not great. I just don't have the money to throw away at a wrestling school and so on and so forth. And he would, he would literally come to my office day after day after day and pitch this to me. And then one day he came by and he didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the next day he came by. And this is where he swerved me. He didn't bring it up one day. Then the next day he comes by and he goes, hey, man, how much does it cost if I were to hire you as a personal trainer? Like, you've gotten in great shape. You, you live the life. You, you do what needs to be done. And I said, well, it all depends on what your goals are. Are you looking for like how many sessions? You know, what's your time frame? Is this 12 weeks? Is this six months? Is it a year? He goes, I don't know. What's, a, what's like $3,500 worth of training you give me? And right then I knew. I was like, you. Uh, here's the thing. I've never told this story before. And I don't know if he, he'd get mad at me for it, but it's 10 years ago. So he can get over it at this point. But we worked out a deal where I would train him. And he would train me and money never left anybody's hands. So, you know, it's one of those things where like, I never sought out professional wrestling. It sought out me and, you know, not sounding, I don't want to sound cocky or anything because that's not the case. Like it was a blessing. You know, I, I got to train, I started to work, started to learn, started to, but when I did it, I only really did it in mind to work at that company with, you know, my buddies and then fast forward two years, I moved to Florida. So I, I literally thought I was done. I had no intention of trying to, you know, pursue it down here. I didn't know anybody in the business, especially in independent wrestling, or so I thought. Moved down to Florida, uh, start managing a gym here in Tampa. In walks Steve Kern. In walks Al Perez. In walks famous drew mcintyre who's who's a professional wrestling train at this gym that i just got a job at and i'm like you've got to be kidding me never say a word just hi how you doing hi how you doing a couple a couple times uh you know i would get to know a couple of the guys got some pictures got to you know fan it up a little bit and ask questions and talk and then i became really really close with uh, al perez and steve kern and Steve would invite me down to Florida Championship Wrestling all the time, like at the tail end there, right before they transitioned everything over to NXT. And as Al and I would start to talk more, 
we would he would start bringing up wrestling and i was like yeah well i, I actually trained a couple of years ago like i i've worked for on and off for two years i still go up to iowa and do shows here and there he was like no shit get out of here never never thought about it. i never thought another word of it. all of a sudden steve kern comes up to me and he goes you never told me you worked and i was like i, I know like i never wanted that to i didn't want you to think that i based our friendship off of like i'm gonna try to pull a favor from you and uh you know from then he kind of just took me under his wing and he said hey you know bring bring me some tape tomorrow to the to the gym that we can sit down and look at a couple of your matches we sat there and critiqued my matches for like an hour and then he uh he introduced me to a couple of promoters down here he got me in touch with a couple other guys and then i found out like a couple guys i went to high school actually did independent wrestling i was like this is ridiculous and the ball really started rolling right then so in 2012 like everything just really started to to kind of take off and like this show, then this show, then this show. And, you know, back then I was, I was known as Tony storm. Again, no clue who this other chick was across the, the pond. So to say, you know, killing it down under. And then, you know, that we, we would joke up until the point where, uh, you know, it was time for somebody to get signed. Like somebody else was going to be out of the name. No questions asked. So I remember vividly when she signed with uh, NXT UK, I uh, respectfully bowed down, dropped the name. And, you know, all these years later, all these accomplishments, awards, Cauliflower Alley Club, induction, all that later, like, I feel like it's it's been an, an awesome ride. I have zero regrets. I, you know, there's, there's still a few things I'd like to accomplish, um, business willing, God willing, but, uh, you know, for what it's for what it's worth, it's it's been a pretty awesome ten years. No, that's that's wild. Actually, and you started this off by saying that you're out of Iowa, and I'm gonna tell you, mind you, most of most of our listeners know. Like every time I talk to someone, it's the first time meeting them, so I'm about to blow your mind. Like I actually went to Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Like that's why I wrestled. Like. That's <laughs> so I, I graduated from and worked at William Penn University in Oskaloosa. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly where you're at. I had a buddy of mine, um, Brett Allgood. He actually wrestled out of uh, ICCC. Yep. We, so, uh, we compete against him all the time. Yeah. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all familiar with the area. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy, like, to think, like, that's how it worked for you. Because, like, even, like, just for me, just kind of, like, put it out there, uh, like, I was at Northwestern College. I dropped out crazy enough. A friend of mine also was there. We both ended up leaving. We both ended up joining the military. So he went Army. Um, he became a Green Beret. And then he just medically retired a year and a half ago and was the oldest NCAA athlete ever. <laughs> he came back to wrestle. Me, on the other hand, like I went to, I went in the Air Force. I got out and then like I started doing my pro wrestling, trying to get my pro wrestling career going just last year, which was perfect timing. Like nothing was going to stop me. I didn't know coronavirus was going to be a thing. Uh, but what really was crazy is I randomly saw uh, my buddy's name, Roman, pop up in my Facebook feed as someone that you might know. And uh, as I add him, I find out that he's in pro wrestling too. And so when you were talking about your, you meeting friends and stuff and you just seen, I was like, Bro, like that's just, I I know exactly what that looks like. <laughs> I, 
into a locker room. And again, I was, I was gone for eight years. Like I left Florida, went to college and I stayed gone. So imagine leaving. And then you come back eight, 10 years later. And all of a sudden you walk into a locker room. You don't know nobody. You don't know anything. You're just planning on sitting in a corner, keeping your mouth shut, getting a five minute match in impressing some people and leaving. And then all of a sudden you run into two buddies from high school that you haven't seen in forever. Like it was just, it was one of the most comforting things ever because now I had a crush. I had a, a buddy. I had somebody that I could go to for reference. Like, Hey, what's this company like? Like, can you put me in touch with anybody else? Like, and that's how, like, like I said, the ball really started going off that. Yeah. That's, that's insane. So like with me, what happened, I was, uh, I randomly met a friend. Right. And we were talking back. We were talking at the gym and he was like, Oh yeah, I'm into pro wrestling. I was like, Oh, me too. Like, and I'm thinking like as a fan and he was like, Oh no, no. And I would find out that he was backyarding, which I was like, okay. But then like, he put me in touch with a person who also put me in touch with another person who then put me in touch with my trainer. And I was like, Oh, and so like, then I start like traveling around and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, this is what I've been wanting to do forever. So <laughs> my next question for you, man, is like you said, it's been an incredible 10 years. So I'm sure you have a lot of these, but I'm just curious, what's been your worst bump? Oh, uh, my very worst bump. I'll be honest with you. I've been very fortunate to not, I've, I've not been injured any more than, a couple of small injuries that put me out for a very small amount of time. It wasn't even a bump. It was actually uh, part of my finish. And it was just somebody being careless uh, and being lazy. But at the time I was using the, the razor's edge finish. So uh, we, we, I got to talking to this guy and I was like, Hey, how much do you weigh? He was like, oh, around 300. I said, okay, well, what if we get into the finish like this? Boom, boom, boom. You go up to the top rope, uh, maybe for like a Vader bomb or something. I split you, hook you, and just guide you down. I still get the finish. It almost comes out of nowhere. It's a win-win for everybody. You look strong. I look strong. Done. Okay, cool. Everything goes to plan. I hook him. I take two steps. All of a sudden, he just kind of rolls off my left side. We go down and it completely hyperextends my elbow. Hmm. We get in, like, I, I hook him for the cover. And of course, I, I couldn't tell him to, you know, just finish me. It was a title match and I had to retain, you know, I don't make, I don't call the shots. I just do what I'm told. You know, if it was up to me, I'd have dropped the belt to him, but he, he'd only worked for that company like once. But uh, we get in the back and he was like, man, I was pretty impressed. You had me up there for a good couple of seconds. Like, you know, 350 pounds is a lot of weight. And I looked back and I was like, did you try to no sell me 50 pounds? Like, we're not talking five. Like, I understand we might, you know, I'm, I'm 225. I'll build myself at 230. But you're going to, you, you just, you just no sold me 50 pounds. We would have never gone for that finish. Like, I'm strong, but let's be real. So the, the worst part is I watched the footage back his legs are just dangling on the top rope. There's no post, there's no plant, there's no assistance, nothing. And then when we get moving out, he literally just kind of flops his oh. arms, which is what causes him to roll off my left side. And I was, you know, I, I'm grateful that it wasn't worse, but it was, it was, a, it was painful because I had a, a show the next, I had a, a photo shoot the next morning. We're in, we're in the panhandle or something uh, up in North Florida. 
we got to drive back all night. I've got a photo shoot with River Horse Photography in uh, Brandon, Florida, or no, Lakeland. Okay. Out. So come home to Tampa. Got to be at Lakeland early in the morning because then I got to wrestle in Tampa in a tag match the next day. Worked the whole match with my whole arm taped up and literally did the shine and the, took the hot tag and then got out. <laughs> but I would, I would think that's my very worst uh, bump or injury in pro wrestling. I mean, that's, that's cool that you're like fortunate enough not to take like any serious bad bumps. But we're going we're gonna to turn this. What's the hardest you've ever been hit in a ring? Uh, so there's, there's two of them. I'm sure this is any, anybody who's wrestled in in the Florida Indies is going to say the same thing. Uh, the hardest hit you're ever going to take is probably John Davis. And I've had the, the honor. And I I say that like, um, respectfully and truthfully, I've had the honor to work him a couple of times in some really, really good singles matches, but we beat the hell out of each other. Like the very first match we had, I was a little timid. I was a little uh, light. That next match, man, I took it to him. I was just like, nah, I ain't playing this shit twice. So we went to war. And it was it was great. It was a phenomenal match. Um, if you ever get the opportunity, you'll have to ask him about it because our match beat cancer. Uh, but then I would say the next hardest shot I ever took was actually uh, – it was the dumbest match I was ever in. We were, I was working a festival show up in Georgia for a promoter, and it was one of those I was already booked in Georgia. And he hit me up, he's like, Hey, man, I see you're on this show uh, t- on Saturday night. Well, I'm running this festival show three hours up the road uh, in the afternoon. Could you come do my show? And I'm like, Well, yeah, but here's the thing like, I've got so and so coming with me because we're tagging down there. and he was like no 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 problem i'm gonna give you your full rate and i'll even throw him some money too you could just wrestle him but the fans really want to see you work again and i said oh i gotta put him under a hood or what this is gonna look stupid if we wrestle each other up here and then three hours down the road like we're tagging and you know kicking people out of the building like like just right. going on he was like yeah, yeah yeah put him under a hood do whatever you guys want and i said all right cool so we uh we get this first match and we literally were like, we're like, Hey, we ain't going to do nothing, man. This is going to be a walk in the park. And then like two minutes go by, we're like, well, maybe we can do something. Well, maybe we'll just do a little bit more. And if you've ever tagged with anybody or worked with somebody like so often, you, the, the more you get to know them and the more you trust them, the harder you hit them. So by the end of it, we're, we're walking out the curtain and we've got all these stupid spots called, all of a sudden, he front kicks me right in the face, and I don't like I didn't see it coming or just missed that he called it. And I bit the inside of my lip to the point where half my like upper lip was hanging down mm. this side. Mind you, couldn't couldn't go to the hospital because I had to drive three hours south to be back at this show. So I'm I'm like at the store buying like all this Ambisol gel and all these things that are going to try to numb my mouth, I have to wrestle the whole next show with my mouth just completely swollen. So that's probably the hardest individual hit I've ever taken. <laughs> I hear, I hear you about, I hear about when you wrestling with your friends, just like the, 
the one thing like I learned uh, pretty quickly was that like you have your friends and if you can't hit your friends hard, then who can you really hit? And uh, yeah, I've blasted, I've blasted a few of my friends. <laughs> person that I ever had that experience with was Effie. Mm. Him and I worked a lot in, in South Georgia. And the first match we had was just, there was really good chemistry. And this was before he was, this when he was Effie Gibbs. And he was just breaking in. And like, we were just married at one point. Every company was booking Storm versus Effie. And it, it just got to a point where he was like, he'd yell across the room at the promoter, hey, who's up? How? How long? All right, cool. Just go out there. Let's beat, just beat my ass. And then I'll find a, a, a cheap way to get over. And he wasn't joking, man. We would go out there and we would just like, there's a difference between throwing taters and just throwing bombs at each other. But the great was like, and you know, I love the kid. He's a, he's a genius when it comes to like marketing and all of this stuff outside of the ring, inside the ring. He, he just fights. Like there's nothing pretty about what he does. Like, I don't think everybody's ever going to say, you know, Effie has had a five-star match. It's never pretty, but the harder you hit him, the more the crowd reacts. The more the crowd reacts, the more he gets jacked up, and then he pops you in the mouth. And we just started throwing bombs at each other. That's that's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was running a I was running a practice match with uh, a. We'll talk about it like after the show, but I was, we were running a practice match with me and, and, and another person. And uh, they're recording the match, right? And you hear my trainer in the background. He just goes, hey, uh, you're about to see the stiffest shots ever thrown. And then just me and the other person, we just we just love it. We just went to town. <laughs> and, like, you could hear you could hear the claps. Like, it was, like, getting dead in, just sick thuds. And we were just, like, having so much fun. And at the end of the day, we were sitting there talking about it. And I was like, dude, I think – think you cracked a tooth and he's like uh yeah probably because you busted my lip open <laughs> like you just when you get when you get comfortable when you get that like that that feeling like it the more you know somebody the easier it is to take a stiff shot when you don't know somebody you don't know their intent you don't know where they're coming from but if it's your buddy and you know like hey you know two hours from now we're gonna be at waffle house laughing about this you know three towns away then it for some reason becomes more acceptable. <laughs> it really, it really does. So I'm, I'm curious, man. Taking this over to, uh, let's call it post match, right? So you get done with your matches and stuff like that. I'm just curious, like, what's that post match meal that you have to have? Okay, uh, so I'm really, really a stickler at this. Like, I try not to eat on show days. If I do, it's only breakfast. I'll have like egg whites and some toast and that's it. I cannot eat the rest of the day. I refuse to eat. I've been in a situation where I've seen too many guys literally, uh, let's say, lose it in the ring out of one end or the other. And I I refuse to have that happen to me. So like by the time my match goes on, I'm starving. So when as soon as it's over, uh, I always have a, a bag of Albanese gummy bears, uh, a giant um, Pedialyte. Mm. Like I said, I'm pretty much just exhausted, and then I'm completely starving and 
no, I've got nothing in my system. So I got to replenish with electrolytes. And then um, I eat really, really clean. Not, not even because I want to all the time. Uh, in 2017, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. So any type of grease and fats and stuff like that can trigger a, another reaction. So honestly, like, and as, as much heat as I get for this from the guys, like, come on, man, just have a cheat meal with us. Just have a cheat meal with us. Like, I think my go-to would be probably steak and egg whites. But that's like, as soon as the match is over, I'm in the back, gummy bears, like that, that's my biggest like vice. I'm, I'm addicted to gummy bears. Uh, yeah, I can. Yeah. I think uh, when I get done with the gym, like that's the first thing I do. Like I just go to my, like I have it in my bag and I'll just get done with the gym. And the first thing I do is I'm just like popping like gummy bears. And it's, it's really crazy the looks that I get because I'm just like, oh, wait, why? Why are you staring at me eating gummy bears? I'm just, you see those guys like on the treadmill and they're like running really hard and they just stare at me. I'm like, y'all might want to pay attention. You're going to fall. I'm just trying to eat gummy bears, bro. I'm out. <laughs> um, so every, every wrestler, every commentator, every manager, every person I've ever met in the business, right, has one of these. And I'm very curious about yours. Like, what's been your favorite fan interaction? I've had some favorites, but I've also had some like that really just irk me. Um, are we talking about individual or large scale? Uh, why not both? All right. Favorite individual. Uh, there's this little girl in McClenny, Florida. Every time I come there, she's so shy. She's so timid. Like she is almost to a point where she's afraid to walk up and say hi but after her mom kind of coaxes her into it and then explains to me for five minutes how all she's been doing for the last three days is talking about seeing storm wrestle and i gotta go see storm thomas like i gotta go see storm and she's wearing the shirt and she's got the merch she's all excited and then she comes up and she hands me these little homemade gifts every single time and it's always something different like one time she painted a rock like i'll never forget these things because it's it's not something you expected. I would say that's the most uh, unique individual fan experience that I've had. And then on a grand scale, uh, it, between when I moved to Florida in the first few years that I was really like hitting the ground hard on, on the indie scenes, like on a smaller scale, like I said, when I worked with Effie a lot, we worked uh, a lot in South Georgia and there's this one company down in Pavo that I would, I was at every single month for probably two to three years. Some time came where I needed to take some time off from going there. Um, I needed to diversify my portfolio in wrestling. I needed to be on other brands. I needed other, you know, other fans and other areas and other regions to see what I had to offer. And the promoter reached back out to me. He's like, Hey man, look, like it's been almost a year and a half. Like, we would love to have you come back. And I was like, look, I'm not going to do it for no reason. Like build it up, find me the right person, find me the right thing. And let's, let's do something right. So they, they, uh, they kind of teased it a little bit. And then there was a little bit of a buzz and then they tease it some more. And then of course they had this, uh, they had their, they had a heel come out and steal the title 
And at the very end of the night, I just shot out. Music's blaring. Lights are going crazy. And everybody just loses their minds. Mind you, I just get to run it. I come out there bumping, bumping, bumping. Big slam, big slam. Hit him with my finish. He powders. I hold the title and just look at it like, what if? Everybody lost their minds. I probably sold three plus hundred dollars worth of merchandise that one night off of a run-in. So that was probably one of my favorite large-scale fan interactions was down in Pavo, Georgia. That's awesome. That's like yeah. super awesome. Yeah. So kind of like move on from like fan interactions and stuff like that. So here's like one of my new favorite questions to ask people. All right. So imagine you're a rook and you're back at it again. What's one do and one do not do in a locker room? So if I had to go back in time and give myself advice, if I'm a rookie in 2021, one thing you do not do, which I've been very guilty of and it's gotten me in trouble, is don't don't sit don't sit back and keep to yourself. Sadly, we we live in a time where people speculate. And it's never never positively. Nobody ever speculates positively and says, oh, man, that guy's just he's quiet. He keeps to himself. He's probably going over, you know, what he wants to do or, you know, thinking about how he can work or how he can sell. Here's how it actually looks. Oh, that guy thinks he's better than us. He's not going to come over here and talk. He's not going to, you know, try to try to be one of the boys. I don't I don't give a damn about being one of the boys, to be real with you, man. Like, I've got my circle of people at almost every show, like, that I vibe with, that I kick it with, that I can talk to. Uh, some are still my vets. Some are, you know, guys that look up to me that I try to play vet for and try to, you know, help them and give them the advice. But you you have to, you kind of have to talk. You kind of have to mingle and interact. So definitely don't just sit back and, and watch the show happen. Uh, one of the do's, get the hell out of Florida. And I don't mean move. I mean, invest in yourself. I did this for the, you know, quite a, 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 quite a few years between that 2012, 2015, 16, I had built up a really good savings and I had the support of my family behind me. So when I would go back to Iowa, I would fly myself. I would usually break even by my payday and selling merchandise. If I broke even on a trip to Iowa, that was golden for me. I would invest in myself, you know, if I had to go to Alabama, if I had to go to Mississippi. And, you know, the first couple of times I didn't ask for these huge paydays to cover everything. I, I, I put a bet on myself and it paid off. Um, so I would encourage everybody to do that. You know, if, if you got if you really want to work for that company, if this is a company that says, hey, look, we're interested, but we just can't bring it out right now. Offer to get yourself there. Offer to say, hey, I'm actually going to be out there. They don't need to know why. Just say, oh, I'm already out there. Get yourself out there. Get a hotel and bust your ass. Get there early. Set up. Talk to the promoter. Again, some, some of us, some of these guys go to shows. They just say, oh, who's up? How much? How much time? Can I get my shit in? All right, thanks. Now, man, what's the story? Ask the promoter, what's the story? What are you looking for? What are you trying to sell to these people this show to bring them back to the next show? Stop telling me you don't care and you just want to see athletic matches because that's that's garbage. 
you have never sold month after month after month after month after month of just singular matches. You have to build a story. You have to give the people a reason to come back. If not, why are they there? So go and pick the promoter's brain and just say, hey, look, is there something that I can bring to the table that's going to help bring some more people back in next month? They see that you're investing in them. They're going to want to bring you back later. You build that relationship. You build that report two or three times. And then you ask, okay, great. You know, hey, look, look, let me shoot with you. The last few times I've come up on my own dime. I haven't really been able to break even yet with like merchandising and stuff. Would it be cool if you threw me a little extra for, for trains or knowing that I, I had to, you know, stay up in a hotel? And then eventually it got to that point within myself where I don't pay for trains anymore. They give me that up front. You know, I don't, if, if I'm staying out of state or like I have a rule, if I drive four hours one way, I don't drive back the same night anymore. So if it's a four hour drive, Hey, I need a room for the night or, you know, Hey, I need X amount of money because I'm getting a room at this hotel where I'm going to get points for the next day. And then when I build up enough points, if, if it's one of those companies I've worked for enough times, we're like, Hey, look, look, like, let me cut you a little bit of a break. I'm going to do a double here, here, here. So I'll cover the hotel. Just send me this. And again, it's building that rapport and that relationship with the promoters. That's the definite do. Don't just take your booking and don't give me the, I'm an independent contractor bullshit. Yeah, we all are. Like, I get that. Like, trust me, homie, I feel you. You're an independent contractor. They didn't sign you to a big contract. They technically don't owe you anything, but they also don't owe you a booking. You could be the greatest performer. You could generate more heat than anybody else. Or you could outsell everybody in merchandise and you could put the best matches on. But if you have a trash attitude and you're not willing to do business from the time you walk in to the time you walk out, we're all expendable. So don't sit on the wall and say nothing to nobody and get your ass in front of the promoter. Find out what's best for the show, not your match. Nobody gives a damn about your match. All they care about is the finish of each match and how the show ended. So if you can if you can put a spin on your match and say, hey, look, what if we do a cliffhanger finish where you know you, you want your heel to go over dirty, you know, maybe that'll bring them back and we could run it back again next month. Always set yourself up to set the show up for success. I I like that. And I'm gonna be honest, I've done a few of these. That's the first time I've heard that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes all the sense. I'm like, oh, like, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. So I usually ask the next question, which is like, what kind of advice would you give to up and coming wrestlers? But I mean, that, that do, that was it, man. (laughs) That was my advice to myself 10 years ago or any up and coming wrestler, you know, just get out and invest in yourself believe in yourself and and don't wait for somebody to make it happen for you you got to do the work that's awesome so that is it for like all my my hard hitting questions but we do have to get through the best part of this interview which is going to be the three count podcast 10 count questions and here's how it works i'm going to fire off 10 questions at you it's whatever first comes to your mind all right so we'll put on imaginary timer. Bing. And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Raw. 
favorite movie? Breakfast Club. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Sonic or Mario? Sonic. Hey. Favorite Disney cartoon? Beauty and the Beast. Let's go. Three things that you would take with you on a deserted island. Food, water, weights. Favorite sports to watch? Professional wrestling, MMA, football. Bet. I love all three of those as well. DC or Marvel? Marvel. <laughs> Favorite podcast? Uh, either twofold. Joe Rogan for your standard traditional podcast or Impulsive. If you're looking at like YouTube podcasting and the YouTube creator space, uh, I actually think that that kid, Logan Paul, has got a lot going for him. And he's uh, a lot more talented than people give him credit for. Yeah, he he definitely knows how to stir up controversy and get people to look at him. So he knows he does. He really does. Nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Uh, Mike and Spandex. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person who comes on this podcast, favorite curse word. I feel like, I feel like there's no other words. Like really there's not. (laughs) Right. And it's like, it's, it's an adjective. It's a noun. It can be used as a verb sometimes. Like there's just so many, it's it's so versatile. Everybody (laughs) in their life. It really is. All right. So that's it for the 10 count questions. Last thing for you, man. All I got to know is where can our viewers and our listeners find you? Yeah, you could. I mean, you can find me anywhere. Um, go look for me on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is going to be at underscore storm underscore Thomas. Look for me on Facebook, Storm Thomas. Check out my YouTube channel. You can search me by looking up Storm Thomas. It's all very singular, very uh, easy to find. Um, go ahead and check out my pro wrestling tea store, pro wrestling tees.com slash storm Thomas. Uh, also go ahead and check out my sponsor, future legend apparel. You can find them on Instagram, Twitter, and you can shop future legend for all of your professional wrestling t-shirt needs. Yeah. Actually, I saw that. I saw you go all in on your Facebook page. I was like, Oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of merch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I said, when I, when I, when I rep the team, man, I go hard. <laughs> I see that. All right. Well, with that being said, I am Red Dog Clifford Miller. This is the Three Count Podcast presents now entering the ring with Storm Thomas. And you guys know what to do. All right. Check out the next episode and be there, or you just wait because I'm sure the next episode is going to play right after this. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count pod. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn the notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. 
ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please. <laughs>